0: We're rolling. Good. Now we're um, starting our new series this week. A second new series in two weeks. We started a new series last week as well, and that's to sort of coincide with Food Sunday. So every Sunday, every Food Sunday, we're doing a a series called Exploring. Sorry, what is it? Encountering Jesus. That's right. Just testing you. Encountering Jesus. Um, But in between worlds, we're doing this new series starting today called. taking possession from, uh, it's been a a long week, folks, uh, from the book of Joshua. So before I make any more of a fool of myself, let's turn. Joshua 1 It's on the second of your service sheets. You can follow along. I'm going to read the whole thing because it's a story and you need to get a good grasp of what's going on to really understand what's going on here. So Joshua 1, starting at verse 1, this is God's word. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, and all this peop- you and all this people into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, uh, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, going down to the sun. Uh, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, And then down to verse 12. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land Moses gave you beyond the Jordan. But all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives you rest to your brothers as he has to you. And they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. Then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you beyond the Jordan towards the sunrise. And they answered, Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever we send, you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in, every, in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord God be with you as he was with Moses." Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whatever you command him shall be put to death only. Be strong and courageous. Let's leave the reading of God's word there. Take up uh, chapter two next week. This is uh, just obviously the beginning of the whole book of, of Joshua. And as we go through this talk, we're going to sort of uh, look back at the background to, so you know roughly where we are and, and what's going on in here. Um, but... It seems to be that at the start of this book, God wants to tell Joshua and the entire congregation of Israel, the whole people of Israel, I am with you. I am with you. I will be with you wherever you go. And so what I want to try and get uh, into us this evening, what I want to try and impress upon us is this fact that God is with us. Because if we understand, like the Israelites, that God is with us, then it does three things within us, within our church. Number one, if we understand that God is with us, it instills strength. Secondly, if we understand God's with us, it deepens solidarity. And thirdly, if we understand that God is with us, it guarantees success. Okay, Strength, solidarity, success. All three things come when we understand, at a heart level, that God is with us. Firstly, when we get it, it, un- it instills strength. See, four times in that entire passage, we've heard this phrase, be strong and courageous. don't know if you picked it up, but it's a bit of a repetitive line. Be strong and courageous. Three times God says it, and once the people of, or well, half the tribes anyway, said it to Joshua. Even in verse nine, Jesus, uh, God says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. It's a command. It's not just a suggestion. See, what's going here on here, particularly in verses 1 through 9, is God is, is preaching a sermon, if you like, to Joshua. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the, the movie Braveheart, where he's uh, William Wallace, the character played by Mel Gibson, on the back of a horse, and he's you know, got his face painted blue. They're about to go out and fight the, the, the English um, army. And uh, he's charging up and down. He's giving this rousing speech to all of his, uh, all of his tribe, all of his kinsmen about to take on the the mighty uh, forces of England. And and we get the sort of feeling, the sort of things going on here. Right at the beginning, God himself is delivering this rousing speech to Israel, pushing home to them, be strong and courageous. I will be with you, he says in verse nine, wherever you go. Why, Why is it, do you think, that Israel needed to hear that promise at that time? Why did they need to be reminded that God was with them? Why did they need to be told again and again, be strong and courageous? Don't be frightened. Don't be dismayed. Don't be deflated. Why do they need to hear that again and again? Well, it seems to be pretty obvious in verses 1 and 2 of our passage. Anyway, Moses, great Moses, is dead. We see that a couple of times. Moses is dead. His shadow looms across the entire passage this great man moses is mentioned 11 times in that first chapter the fact that he is dead is an incredibly momentous occasion in the history of israel moses if you're not familiar with him he was a great leader of of israel he was the law giver he he gave them god's law He, he he sort of interceded on their behalf israel the whole people of israel owed their existence to moses He was called the servant of God, this unique role he played. He was the go-between between between Israel and God. He used to meet with God, it said, face-to-face. He used to speak to God like one man speaks to another. He was the friend of God. Even at the end of his life, God took him up to a, a hill to look at all the promised land. He wasn't allowed into it, but he could look at it. And it says there that Moses died at age 120. And it says that God himself buried Moses. Who, who does that for someone unless it's someone wh- whom is deeply loved? God had this unique relationship with Moses and the beginning of Joshua, the beginning of our series, we learn this great man, this servant of God is dead. Our great leader is gone. What are we going to do without him? Even Joshua, you might imagine, he was a guy who was trained up by Moses. He was a guy who was commissioned by Moses. He was received the Holy Spirit when Moses placed his hands upon him and no doubt this guy this new leader gulped at the size of the job that laid before him. No doubt Joshua had the sense of burden leading the people a sense of fear washed across Israel no doubt when they realised that Moses had gone. Israel looked at the obstacles in their Sight. they looked at the massive river jordan that we'll look at in a few weeks time they've heard stories of giants that lived in the promised land they looked to themselves and thought we've got meager resources here they were feeling ill prepared even within themselves there was an inner sense of turmoil and there they were lined up looking at this great river peering over into the the promised land far in the distance and god says to israel be strong and courageous because I am with you maybe we can relate a little bit to that scenario as a a church here at Foundation if you've been with us for any length of time maybe maybe you've come along and and you've heard something of our, our vision and maybe you've been stirred by that vision we say as a church that we are missional in practice that is everything we do and say all the money we spend should be done thinking about folks outside the church about the mission of Jesus we had a series a few weeks ago called Transforming Community and again the Bible presents us with this amazing vision of of what the church could be like when lives are changed and people are are changed by Jesus from the inside out, you've maybe been grasped by the, the vision of Christians against poverty that we've started with a couple of months ago But like Israel, maybe it suddenly dawns on you and us collectively that we are a very small church. Our obstacles might seem great. We might look at the mission and peer across and gulp and think, who are we? With all this big talk, we're just a a small church. We only have meager resources, we have to face barriers to our progress. Maybe this even goes a little deeper for you. Maybe you're looking at yourself and asking yourself, who am I? How can God use someone like me to achieve his purposes? What have I got? Maybe you sense some kind of obstacles in your life. Obstacles that drain away your confidence in what he can do in you. Things that weaken you. Experiences that you've had that make you timid. God today, if that is you, if you feel like that, God today is saying through his word, I am with you. I'm with you. Is that news to you? Maybe you've never heard it in such clear language. God is saying to his people, I'm with you. Maybe you do believe that, but you sort of struggle to hold on to that truth you struggle to allow it deep into your heart where it makes a difference so let's see how god directs joshua to understand and to take that truth deep into his heart he says in verse 7 and 8 only be strong and courageous listen being careful to do according to the law uh, all the all the law that moses my servant commanded you to Do not turn from it, from the right hand or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Be strong and courageous. And he says, I've given you my book, my law, I've given you these writings. It's translated law in our English translations. That's the closest word we have. But the word Torah, you know, the Hebrew word Torah, um, means more broadly instruction or teaching. I've given you, says God, my instructions, my teachings about how you're to live. And he says here to Joshua, I want you to be strong and courageous. And I want you to take my instruction. And I want you to read it. And I want you to learn it. I want you to chew it over. I want you to mutter it to yourself when you're asleep. Or drifting off to sleep. I I don't want you to turn from one side or the other, aside from what I've told you in my word. I think that's really interesting, particularly for us at church here. God has just been speaking directly to Joshua, straight to him, as one person no doubt speaks to another. And yet God is saying that's not enough. It's not enough to think I'm gonna speak to you directly like that. I've given you my written words. That's how I'm going to communicate myself to you. I want you to take that book. I want you to read it. I want you to eat it. I want you to chew it. I want you to take it inside yourself. That's how you know me. That's how I speak to you. That's how you know I'm with you. That's how you know how to obey me. See, for Joshua, standing there, hearing these words from God, it's one thing to Agree that it's good to read the law of God. It's another thing actually obeying it. Living it out. I wonder if you can see the importance of God's written word in God's command to be strong and courageous. The word of God gives strength and courage. When we learn about God, when we're encouraged by what we read, when he addresses us, it gives strength. But also it requires strength for us to enact it, to live it out. That's why here at Foundation we are centred, I hope, around the Word of God, the Bible. In in, in the preaching, in our our worship time, in our community time, because it gives us strength. It's through that that God speaks to his people. I want to take a few moments actually just to plug this little thing here that I've been... uh, really blessed by over the last few months is called cbr community bible reading uh, a few of us have been doing it together and i'm uh, i'm just so encouraged uh, by it what it is is just a daily bible reading plan um, where you read a chapter of the old testament and a chapter of the new testament every day and as you do that you're recording your thoughts in this little box just over here um, things that teach you about god things that shows you about yourself uh, things that talks about jesus things that it gives you to pray, asking for certain things. And uh, the cool thing is that everybody who does CBR does the same passages together every day. Not just here in Foundation Church, but across the world. Everybody is reading the same passages. And the idea is, once you've done that and you pray, spend time with God, then you, you share your insight. You share the, the, the way that God has spoken to you, the thing that he has pointed out to you. And you share that with two or three other people, and that's it. And I just found that over the few months I've been doing this, the discipline of doing this every close to every day, you don't have to do it every day, but every day, um, sharing, seeing one another's insights, just spending that time listening to God's word, praying it back to him, and um, has just been so enriching to my life. So I want to encourage you, I've got about four, four copies of this. I know a few of you are in using this already. This is our gift to you if you want to uh, take up the challenge and read with us, alongside us. And um, I'd love to explain a little more about CBR later on as well but that's just one way that we as a church can be bold and courageous by listening to God's word okay so when we know God is with us number one it instills strength secondly it deepens solidarity and we see that in verses 12 through to 18 we need to do a bit of spade work a bit of background to understand what all that was about Um, the people of Israel came out of slavery from Egypt, they were wandered around the, the wilderness for 40 years under the leadership and guidance of Moses. And after 40 years, they were planned to enter the Promised Land, and that's where we find them just now in the book of Joshua. But a few years beforehand, these large tribes, Reuben and Gad and half of the tribe of Manasseh, they wanted to settle in conquered land outside the Promised Land. Actually, the area where Joshua and all of them actually stood. And so... Moses, it says there in Numbers 32, it explains all this. Moses took a bit of convincing, but eventually he agreed that you lot, because you're big and because you've got so many sheep and so much cattle, you can stay here. But you're only allowed to stay here if you fight with your brothers over the river. And once they're settled, then you can go back to your towns and your cities. And so that sort of gives a bit of background as to those extra verses we read from 12 through to 18. Essentially, what Moses was saying and what the people are saying here is that there is no rest for all of us until everybody is at rest. And just again, remember where they stood. Remember what they're about to do. Enter into the promised land. It could have gone really badly. There could have been a massive falling out if these two and a half tribes came to Joshua and said, you know what, Moses is dead and we're just not going to bother anymore. You know, We're just going to go back on our promise. We've got what we need, we've got our land, we've got our villages and towns, we're all good. So you guys, we'll pray for you, all the best. God bless. Have at it. You can just imagine maybe the sort of division that that would have brought to the people of Israel. The discouragement it would have brought to the other tribes who were going to have to go over and do some battles. But the answer that these two and a half tribes gave In verses 16 to 18, is just beautiful. They answered, Joshua, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. We will obey, just as uh, we did for Moses in all things. Only may the Lord, your God, be with you as he was with Moses. I love that. These two and a half tribes could have said, you know what? Forget it. We're good. But instead, they didn't. They said, we're with you. We are for you. We are together. We are united. We stand in solidarity. We are together on mission. And so they affirmed the leadership of Joshua. They promised to follow his ways. They said to him, only as long as you, Joshua, are strong and courageous. I I love this picture. It's one of those bits about the Old Testament that you could just glide on by and you don't realize, unless you stop and think it through, what's going on. There's no slackers here. They're all in. All of Israel are together on mission. They're all pulling in the same direction. They knew that God was with them, and so it deepened their connection with one another. It deepened their solidarity. I don't know if you've experienced this at any point, but it is devastating to a church when there are competing groups within a church pulling in all different directions, wanting their own way. Power struggles, groups of people who are easily wounded, filled with self-pity, people who are pursuing selfish agendas even though they masquerade as mature Christians. But we see none of that here in these verses. None of that here. God is with us, they say, and because of that, we are united. You know, you see this in the world of sport. Lots, lots of different areas, really, but I'll just pick the world of sport just to make, make the point. Football team, if one team has too many prima donnas on the list, if, if, if one team shows tactical weaknesses, if one team has a falling out in the dressing room, then you know what happens. The team underperforms. They fail to turn up, is what the commentators say. They fall down the table and may even get relegated because... The team is in disarray. It's not that they're not good footballers, it's just that they're at each other's necks. But we see the opposite when a side is motivated, when it is inspired by the vision of the leader, when they are well trained, well drilled, understand the tactics, when they work in harmony on the pitch, then that team becomes successful and they start winning trophies because they are united for the cause. And that's what we want to see here. Isn't it a foundation church? We say we are a church that is missional in practice. We are on mission together. What does that mean? What does it mean for us to be on mission together? It means first and foremost that we are united together. We are bound together by the gospel of Jesus. He is the organizing principle, if you like. He is the center of everything we do. It's for Him that we're doing what we do. And so as a church, to be on mission together, to be united, to deepen in solidarity, we agree on the key teachings of the Bible. And we show that in our statement of faith. We agree on how we are organized as a church. And we show that in our constitution. And we agree on how we should live with respect to one another. The values that we live out, the love that we show. And we see that in our covenant statement that we make to one another that's why here at foundation we emphasize membership joining taking part it's a way of saying we are all on board together we're all pulling in the same direction we all agree on the big things you see if we get this this basic stuff right as a church then it pulls us together in mission it unites us because we see that in that community a Jesus-centred, Bible-believing community is that community where God speaks that's where he manifests himself, that's where he shows us his glory that's where we can stand and see that God is really among us where he clearly says to us I am with you, be strong and courageous so we've seen, number one, that Knowing God is with us instills strength. We see number two, the knowing God is with us deepens solidarity. Thirdly and finally, <coughs> knowing God is with us as a church guarantees success. We see that in verses two through to four. Moses, my servant, is dead. We've heard that. Now, therefore, arise, he says to Joshua. Go over this Jordan, uh, you and all this people into the land that I am giving them to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread, I've given you just as promised to Moses from the wilderness. And this Lebanon in the north, as far as the great river, that is the Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, that is the Mediterranean, towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. I will guarantee your success, says God. It's a massive area. Do you know that the Euphrates is a big river and actually forms a large part of the border between Iran and Iraq. So everything between there and the Mediterranean Sea, God has promised to Israel. It's yours, he said. I'm giving it to you. It's a gift. It's my gift to you. It's your inheritance. And so he's saying to this generation, it's time to take up your claim. It's time to take those promises. It's time for you to be taking possession of that which I've given you. Again, we need to do a little bit of background to know what those promises are. Those promises that God promised this land stretch way back to Abraham about 500 years earlier. And God took this pagan, this man who was worshipping the sun and the moon and the stars and he said to him, I'm going to take you, Abraham. I'm going to give you a great name. I'm going to give you a great land and I'm going to make you a great people. Essentially God said, I'm going to enter into a relationship with you. I'm going to multiply you. And I'm going to demonstrate myself to the world through you. And so fast forward to Joshua, standing here on the shores of the River Jordan, looking over. And this knowledge of the covenant promises of God is looming in his mind. This is it, he thought. No wonder God said to him at that time, be strong and courageous. Every, foot, every place you're going to put your foot is going to be yours. No one's going to stand against you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Knowing God is with you means that you are guaranteed success in taking possession It's easy for us to make a mistake here when we hear these kind of promises from the Bible. It's easy for me to stand here before you and say, God is saying, you can have anything you want. You make it yours, whatever you dream, because God is with you. Just enter it, just claim it for yourself. Walk out by faith and take it. Many do teach this idea in churches up and down our land and you can see how it's easy to draw a line from Joshua to us and we can take these promises personally and spiritually and before you know it we can promise some things that God is simply not promising so a question I just want to tease out for a little bit just here, how do we know if these promises are for us or not are they Are we to apply it in a name it and claim it kind of way? Or are we going to say these promises have nothing to do with us and everything I've just said over the last 25 minutes has been worthless? See, in order to understand what we're reading, we need to see that Joshua, the book of Joshua, is a smaller part of the overall picture of the Bible. And so we can't draw a straight line from Israel to us because if we do, we end up over-promising things that God has never given to us. So in order to overcome that, we have to realise the bigger picture. We have to see that what is going on here in Joshua is true for Israel, but is a pattern of a bigger promise that God has given to us. These promises that we've read about in Joshua 1, our promises spoken to Joshua and Israel there and then. But we don't just leave it there. We don't just think this is some sort of historical analysis because it does us no good. That's not what God intends. We have to see this in terms of the bigger picture. We have to see how God's promises come to us, not through this Joshua, but through another Joshua. Yeshua, in the Hebrew, in the Greek, it's Jesus. Jesus is Joshua, it's the same name. You see, we have to see that Joshua here, in Joshua chapter 1, is foreshadowing a greater Joshua, his namesake, Jesus of Nazareth, the one who is to come. And so when we start to see that and start to see that Joshua's pointing to a greater Joshua, then it starts to click into shape what we're reading. Then we can start to see the promises for how they're really intended. Then we can make connections between Israel and us. See, Joshua was to lead the people into the promised land. But he points to the second Joshua, that is Jesus, who leads his people into a greater promised land. Joshua led the people into a small-ish plot of land in the Near East. The second Joshua, Jesus Christ, leads his people not into a small plot of land, but into the real promised land, the new heavens and the new earth, the kingdom of God. Let's think of it another way. The old covenant promises were made to Israel and they came through Joshua. The new covenant promises were made to all people and they come through Jesus because in Jesus God says to us I will be with you, I will never forsake you I will never let you go Joshua was pointing forward to the true Joshua Jesus was strong and very courageous He obeyed the book of the law completely. He obeyed it to the letter, but he obeyed it to the spirit. He never turned from the right or to the left. He was a faithful and obedient servant. He was committed to his father's cause, and yet it led him to death. His obedience to the law of God led him to death because of our disobedience before God. The Apostle Paul says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Can you see how strong and courageous Jesus was? Can you see how he faced down death on his own on the cross? Can you see how he rose to life on the third day, beating death forever, so that we could be forgiven? so that we could be brought into the real promised land. The place of God's blessing and his fellowship. The place of intimacy with God. The life that he offers that continues forever and ever through faith in Jesus. Jesus is the second Joshua. You know, Jesus said at the time that we've come to know as the Great Commission, the time before he was taken up to the right hand of the Father. He said to his disciples, the apostles, he said to them, go and make disciples of all nations. That's your mission. And then he gave them a promise. And what is that promise? I will be with you always to the end of the age. See, this is why we can take the promises to Joshua for ourselves. Because Jesus is the true Joshua. And because of that, it means that everywhere we tread can be one on mission for Jesus. It means that nothing in this world is off limits to Jesus. Because Jesus is the true Joshua, it means that we can be strong and courageous. We can be bold in our mission to make disciples. It means that we as a church can be missional in practice with great success. It means there is no part of this city that is off limits to Jesus. It means there is no part of our lives, of our hearts that are off limits to Jesus. See, when we know that God is with us, Because of Jesus, this gives us strength, it develops solidarity, and it guarantees ultimate success. And it's my prayer, going forward as a church, that God will apply these truths deeper and deeper into our hearts and our collective hearts, that we might serve him courageously and boldly in our generation. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for these great promises that you give us, that you will be with us. Father, we thank you for this call that you give us to be strong and courageous. We thank you that all of your promises come to us in Jesus, the second Joshua, who opens to us the real promised land, Father, help us to understand these truths. Help us to see your promises and to receive them in faith. We ask that you would make us bold and courageous because Jesus was bold and courageous, dying for us. Now, Father, as we come to take the bread and the wine together, would you stir our hearts again for what Jesus has done for us in giving his life on the cross, so that we could come to the promised land. In his name we pray, and for his glory. Amen.